I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. What's poppin'? Logan Murdoch here, Roger Bell there. Ra, we're getting into the Christmas season. How you doing, my guy? How's, how, how's life going? How you doing? We're good, baby. High school teams four and one. We play tonight. Mm. Christmas tree is up. Eggnog yes. flows. How do you how do you do this when it's when it's cold? Like like Florida, it's like <laughs> no, we don't do weather talk, but it's sunny and it's the middle of summertime. Like do you, do you know what it is? Like is it is it what, what do you do? What how how do you how do you recreate the 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 vibe of Christmas in in South Florida? What, what's what's popping over there? No, heavy on the lights just to just to get the spirit right. Heavy on the lights. We can't fabricate the weather but we're heavy on the lights the 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 christmas music um flowing around the kitchen you know like the 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 christmas photos for the for the christmas card we did the other day everybody had on a crazy christmas suit for the boys in the family and the girls had on crazy christmas dresses with sunglasses right because we know we're in Mm. like just you know heavy you do you od on the spirit bro because you can't do anything about the weather I heard that, man. You know who might not be in the Christmas spirit right now? Roger Bell. <laughs> who's that, Logan? Oh, oh, you want to know, Roger? Guess yeah, who's I not? Know. <laughs> the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks are not in the Christmas spirit right now. We'll get to that in a second. They got their they got beaten by Austin Reeves. <laughs> the god Austin Reeves <laughs> out here beating them. <laughs> but it came on the heels of uh, ESPN story that I, that I was really interesting to me with uh, the Tim McMahon rope uh, talking about the uh, relationship between Luka Doncic and Rick Carlisle, and it's a, it's a really good piece. I, I really had a, uh, had a had a blast reading it, and it was talking about how um, you know the relationship basically eroded. And um, you guys can read that it was it's on ESPN.com, and one of the pieces of that is. Basically, Rick Carlisle's uh, relationship with point guards and how uh, you know he wanted uh, he wanted uh, Donovan Mitchell to be on the to be to, to be picked by the Dallas Mavericks, um, but Luca really likes Dennis Smith. Uh, Dennis Smith, they be, they were buds. They were really good, um, and it led to um, some internal strife between the two. Mike, we can get into this a little bit. My question to you is, Raja, when it comes to having a superstar like a Luka Doncic or like a LeBron, like a whoever you want to call it, I'll take LeBron out of this. Basically, these younger guys who have been wielding power because they are so good or have so much potential to be good. And... Um, they will this power to where they can get a coach fired. They can get these people fired. And then you look at their resume, the talent's there, but they haven't really done anything. 
in the words of Roger Bell, ain't done shit yet. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> how well do you, done. how do you, thanks, my guy. How do you uh, balance that, though, when you do have these younger guys and these younger talents who could be good for you for 15 years or so, willed on all these, all this power? Is it good for the game? Or is it bad for the game? Or do we need just a bit more balance? Where, where do you stand on this? Well, it's bad for the game. And, you know, I'm not commenting specifically on this situation, but young talent that hasn't produced anything by, you know, in terms of championships or, or conference championships, um, dictating to organizations what they need to do from a personnel standpoint or a coaching standpoint or a front office standpoint is a slippery slope. Um, and you're not you're not really rewarding any real accomplishment. You're just rewarding talent, and and I I don't think that's great for the game. And so I would say then you need more balance, right? Like there's got to be a balance there. And it's like any relationship, um, rules have to be established. Things have to be understood. What what I would be willing to tolerate from Logan in our relationship. And if Logan pushes those boundaries, I have to be able to stand up for myself and say, hey, listen, Pippin, like, I, you know, you don't know me well, but we're going to get this out the way right now because this is not how I get down. And the relationship, you know, those are tough conversations to have, but people, you know, generally figure it out, right? And then you know not to cross those lines and vice versa. And so, you know, I think if organizations continue to allow themselves to be kind of pushed around, um, you know, they're going to get themselves in some really tough spots. And I've said this before on this pod. I'm going to say it again. I imagine that at the next CBA, when they go to the table, ownership, um, you know, and their representation is going to fight really, really, really hard to start breaking down some of these rules that are in place that allow for this to happen. The, the Right? Because that's, that's what yeah. we're talking about ultimately. The players have the leverage to a point where this can happen. Ownership will be fighting to get that back. Trust that. It's funny you said that because we have said this on the pod, and this goes into another conversation. Um, it feels like, and, and I want to get your perspective because you live through it, and this, uh, but it feels like the '90s where uh, you know you're getting younger guys getting these deals. Remember, like the big deals of the '90s was what the Chris Webber deal, where he had the the, the opt out after one year was a big step in when we talk about uh, differences CBAs and also the Kevin Garnett deal, right, where he gets all this bread and there's this backlash, not even because KG didn't deserve it, uh, but more because, well, what the hell is going on? Why? Wh- how, how can we pay these, these exorbitant amount of salaries? My question to you is, um, do you see, one, do you see the parallel? And two, do you think the players and their reach for all this power have kind of overreached and overstepped in what they want to accomplish and think and and has it kind of biting them in the ass so far? Well, yeah, I want to be clear again. Like what I'm saying isn't in relation to this particular situation in Dallas. Like this isn't my right. overall sentiment about that. This is just the landscape of the NBA that we're in. And yeah, I think there is a parallel to be drawn between that time, you know, when when these contracts were things that we hadn't seen before, right? And and in that context, like you're seeing moves being made within organizations that are that are not the the norm. It's not standard operating procedure for NBA clubs because we haven't seen players with this type of power and leverage before, right? It was under an old CBA. There were different rules that existed. Um, and so I'm always for player empowerment, right? Like as a former player, I'm for getting as much money as you can get fully yep. guaranteed at all times and yep. using whatever leverage you have to have someone, you know, move or, you know, act in a way that, that, that you deem um, beneficial to you. Because if, if those leverages are in place, then, then use them. Having said that, I'm on the other side of the mic right now. And I can tell you, it's not a great place for a league to be in. Like that's not something yeah. that, that ownership and business um, is going to, going to look at and be like, yeah, yeah, we really love this. And so they have overstepped because you're putting ownership in a position where they don't like what's being done to them and they're going to try to fight back. It's your right to do it. I support you doing it. But again, ownership has been bitten in the ass too many times now. And they've been, you know, how many, how many players lately have have put ownership's feet to the fire and said, yo, trade me or it's a wrap and trade me here or I ain't or it, or 
you know, the leverage that they have is going to have, it's going to have some kind of, uh, uh, you know, reaction from, or it's going to cause some sort of reaction at the next CBA from ownership. And it's funny you say that. And I do want to get back to just some of the pieces real quick, because I, I do think it's kind of, it's interesting. I do want to get to the piece, but before we get to that, I do want to like, I'm with you with the player empowerment thing, right? Like, I don't want I don't want the NBA from a standpoint to be the NFL, for instance, no. right? Where you can just cut bait, bro. Like, no, nah, these are people's lives at stake, right? Yes. But what I would like to see is both sides coming to the table and realizing, no, this is a partnership, bro. Like, all of this works because it works, right? Um, and we can, I feel like there could be a better solution if everyone just works together. Right. Where, you know, you did reference players going out and saying, nah, I'll retire if I if I don't if I don't if I if I don't get what I want. And it's like, no, it's not. That's not how this goes. That's not how we all run a business, because at the end of the day, that's what this is. It's a business. And uh, um, yeah, no, no. Go ahead. I mean, but I, I just want to say, because when you negotiate, you expect like, first of all, you don't know everything that you put in place, right? Like I get more percentage of the BRI, the basketball related income as an ownership group. And for that, I have to make a concession to the players in terms of, I don't know, length of contracts or what, what have you, any other, right. Thing. But in the process at the time, you may not be able to foresee, you know, how a player that's not operating in complete good faith would use that against you. Right. And then, and so you wind up in these spots and I think a lot a lot of times when they're re- when they're negotiating, they think that okay, we'll make this concession. You guys will give us that, and then both sides will operate in good faith moving forward. And it, and it doesn't always work like that. It's funny because it's like it all goes back to the decision, right? Because the CBA, uh, the, the the lockout immediately following the um, the decision, tried to push the the uh, the power back to. Um, the ownership, which was, you know, we're gonna make we're gonna make these contracts shorter, and we will pay you more money to try to stay in uh, in your market. That didn't happen. We see in trades from superstar players left and right that are just like, nah, I don't care, I don't care about your deal. I, actually, I just got my money, so just trade me, or you know, I'll just I'll sit out. And it's it just seems like with these things, it's just been tit for tat, and that's just that's that's union stuff, right? But uh, back into the story. When when you see something like, uh, you know, I think it goes back into this Luca Dennis Smith partnership where you see a guy um, that is a superstar who is a young superstar and, um, you know, find someone that, you know, like a younger guy, one of your best friends, right, on the team. You've, you've been a young guy in this situation um, and where you see a guy and you, you're you just, by happenstance, y'all live together, you guys are best friends, you guys are all these things, but your best friend happens to be the a generational talent who wants you on the team. When you, how does that, there has to be a, in my mind, a business aspect of that, but how do you manage that when you're a front office, right? Where you're like, nah, man, like, I don't want to trade this guy because he is so close and I don't want to lose this superstar, how do you manage that as a as an organization, right? Where you're where you're trying to make appease somebody and like Luca, but you, I see your face right now. How do you what 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 are your thoughts on this? You make that shit work. If he's see again, we have to we have to draw a distinction between accomplishment and talent, right? Mm, like yeah. I my my only experience in a front office was with accomplishment and talent, LeBron James, right? So when LeBron James says, hey, I need X, Y, and Z employed, and I need this with me because I think it, it helps me, and I need that as a, as, a, as a player development guy because I know it helps me, like, you do that. You make that work, right? That's a, there's accomplishment there. Not only is he a phenomenal talent, but championships are coming to Cleveland. We can, we can bank on that, and it, was, and it came to fruition. So that's what you do. Yeah. You you move accordingly. Okay, let's. How do we figure this out, guys? Like you get in the room, you figure out where you can create a position. You figure out how this can how this can work, and whether you know that guy can be around. Like you just you make it work. Um, yeah. But there is a distinction between the accomplishment and then just talent, right? Now I would say that if it's a piece that isn't hurting our cap, um, it's not putting us in a situation uh, where we can't make another move. Uh, it's not an asset where if we traded it, we could get something really helpful back for that talent. 
if none of those situations are in play, I say, let him have his friend. Like we're, we'll work that out. Like, you know what I mean? Like that happens all the time. But if we're talking about a piece where, you know, it may be coveted and if I move it, yeah, you're going to miss your friend, but man, we can get back some shit that's really going to help us. Like, you know, we, my job is making sure this thing moves forward. So then I got to go to you and have this conversation with you. Listen, talent. I know that's your man. All right. But here's my job, right? My job is to help you get this championship. If you're in a better situation and you got better help, we all win. This, this is hand in hand. So while you may miss your buddy and we'll do everything we can, maybe he becomes available again. We'll try to scoop him back up. I can't promise you that, but maybe, but right now, help me help you, right? Like this is, this is business, right? And so it's a relationship. You have to have those conversations and you got to do what you got to do. Well, it's funny. Cause uh, how, how do you feel about, you know, we, we, I think we, I was listening to Simmons's pod uh, yesterday with, with Jackie Mack and they were talking about Luca and just how, you know, you know, while he has been a superstar, you know, there are things that he's dealing with as any young player would in terms of, you know, being overweight and being all these things and not, we've talked about this, not just with Luca, but with a Zion, right? Where, you know, your body, all you got is your body when you're in an NBA, right? And he had, he's going through some, Luca's going through some things where he has, you know, he's still trying to figure out how to be a pro right now. You know, he is, this talent is outweighing the work ethic, it seems like at this very moment. Mm -hmm. um, what do you see with Luca now? Right. Well, how do you, how do you see him as a player right now? He's so young. I don't know. He's 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 younger than 24, 24, 25. He's a very young kid, but he just has this unworldly talent and maybe doesn't have the work ethic to do that. What have you seen from him and how can he get better? What can he do to to better this situation right now? So I I think that Luca is a fantastic talent. He's got fantastic skill level and size combination. Um I can't really speak to Luca's work ethic because I haven't, I don't like to do that if I haven't seen it, right? Like, I don't know what sure. his work habits are. I'm not in Dallas. I, you know, I don't know. Does he appear to be overweight a little bit? Yep. Um, but, you know, if you're injured and you're not, I, who knows? I don't know. And what to I be fair, real quick before you get to your point, to be fair, Mark Cuban did say, I mean, the dude did play for the, didn't get it, did have trouble playing, um, working out with the Serbian national team, right? He just didn't. And also he's played a lot of basketball. There are other factors in this. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, so I can't really speak to the work ethic, but I've said this about Luke and I, and I do believe this as talented as he is. And it's going to sound so weird because he also fills up a stat sheet with assists, but they're different kind of assists. So, so when I say he's got to make people around him better, People are going to be like, oh, what the hell is he talking about, man? He has, you know, he averages nine, ten assists. There are different types of assists, though. There are assists where, like, you've held the ball for 19 seconds of a shot clock and danced on it, and then you threw it to me in the corner and I made a shot. Yeah, that's an assist. Like the James Harden assist? Yeah, and then there are other assists where we just came up the court, you were bringing it up, and instead of getting in your dance routine, you just advanced the ball, and I was able to kind of get a one-dribble layup, and now we're in a flow. And I think Luca's got to do a better job of making people around him better. Um, it's not, I think he's brilliant. What he does with the ball, I could only ever dream of doing. Man, most people could only ever dream of doing it. But ultimately, you got to figure out how to take all of that talent and help those around you who don't have it get to higher heights. And he hasn't figured that out yet. So this goes back to the old school, new school thing right now where, uh, you know, obviously Luca is the future of the league. He's a face of the league already right now. But then you got a guy, Rick Carlisle, who's now in Indiana and left under, you look at it kind of suspicious, you know, kind of all suspicious terms, right? It, it was just kind of weird how that went, how that, uh, that went down. But you see the classes of two different eras, you know, Rick Carlisle played for the Celtics, you know, old school dude, great coach. You know, his resume speaks for itself. But, Raja, and I've got to play devil's advocate here, has had beef with his point guards. <laughs> that's, that's every point guard he's had, he's had a beef with. Or every good one. You know, we talked about the one when, when Rondo was on the team. Rondo's one of the smartest players in NBA history. They clash. And now you see something like this. Does Carlisle play a part in this? How do you, yeah. how, like, it? Like what? What could he have done better? Because I do feel like both sides could have done better um, on, on this side, but specifically Rick Carlisle, who does have a track record of beefing with his point guards. 
Yes, of course, Rick Carlisle holds some responsibility in this. Um, Rick Carlisle is cut from a cloth uh, of the generation past. He is, his philosophy and the way he approaches it is more Larry Brown, more Jerry Sloan, more, you know, in your face, abrasive if need be, um, maybe more often than not, and really super demanding. And I never minded that. I, 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 I worked well with that as long as you didn't, you didn't take what happened yesterday and roll it over to tomorrow, right? Or to today, right? As long as I got that fresh, clean slate to come in here and go back to work and, 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 and either impress you or, or redeem myself. Um, and there weren't politics involved. I was fine. Like you could, you could mother F me. You could do whatever you need. I'm good. Like we can, we can, we can roll like, but today's today's players aren't aren't like that. They're not built like that. And so you have to adapt and you have to figure that out. And, you know, because I was reading that article, Logan, and the, the Salam Majuri or Mejuri, I don't, I don't know, forgive me because I don't know exactly how to say his name. I had no beef with that story. The story was he was playing in a game against the Wizards, I think it was, and he got two texts and got kicked out of the game. And he came over talking to Rick Carlisle about why he shouldn't have got kicked out of the game. And Rick Carlisle was like, you have two fucking points. Like, don't be getting technical fouls. Like, I got no problem with that. You know what I mean? Like, bro, you, you, that's life. You're not making enough of an impact out here to be costing us (laughs) these points at whatever time in the game this is. I have no problem with that. See, that doesn't bother me, but it may offend and bother someone, you know, that, that, that came up in in today's culture of coaching and so on and so forth. So uh, I think the players have changed. They're a little more thin-skinned. They're way, way better in terms of skill level and ability and sure. size and strength and all of that. But they don't deal with the same level of 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 in-your-face criticism and toughness as as some of the generations past. And so if you're a coach in the game, you got to figure out you know how to adapt. It's interesting how this new generation of players is, are, and you know we. We talked about a pre-pod, and I don't want to get too much into the lit, <laughs> the litness of the pre-pod <laughs> meeting. But um, you know, you can make the argument, you know, the, the the adjustment. And I've talked to coaches about this, and I'm sh- and I'm sure you've talked to coaches about this. It's um, it's interesting because these players want to be partners with these coaches, right? They don't want to. Be, it's not necessarily. It's not the traditional um, Bobby Knight. Isaiah Thomas, you know, right. back in the day relationship, it's more, nah, I, I want to understand how, why did you say this to me? I want to know why you did this. And I want to know, you know, the OGs might call it coddling. The young, the young homies might be like, nah, I just want you to understand me better. Um, if you're going to talk to me like that. Right. And there, it, it, it is, it's this back and forth. I feel like between two generations and it had, and the more I'm getting older, it, it you know it's 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 just a way of life and growing pains that everybody goes through. But right now, it's just on a if you if you just take the names off of it, we've seen this in the '90s, we've seen this in the '80s, we've seen this in all the in all these yeah. generations. I just feel like right now, it's just it's just my generation's turn and going through this right now. It when is. you see this, my question to you is: How do you like you're you are in a front office? How do you how do you deal with this? Right? Because me and you, like you you you. You the home, you my homie, but it's different. We definitely come from different schools of thoughts. How do you deal with that as a front office person or as somebody that has to deal with younger people on a, on a daily? So at its core, you know, um, a basketball team and an organization, you know, is 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 a family, and families have to communicate, and so communication solves a lot of issues, right? Like you, you, you know, how many times have you got you know, half of a message or heard something and held on to it and you were angry and then you clear it up later. You're like, no, nah, I didn't mean it like that. Like it wasn't, I didn't say it. I didn't mean it like that. That wasn't, that wasn't the essence of what I was trying to say. And then you're like, oh, well shit, I'm, I've been hanging on to that for a week and a half. And like, so yeah. you, you have to have open lines of communication, right? You have to have, and within like every family or team, their roles, everyone has to play a role. We all can't play the same role. Like we have this conversation a lot. Everyone's got a role. So Take a coaching staff, for example. Like, if a Rick Carlisle is a hard-nosed, in-your-face, mother-effort, like, you know, abrasive dude, most good staffs have a guy right next to him that is just the opposite. 
So when he gets done MF and Raja, like Logan comes over and is like, yo, Raj, hey man, you good, bro? Like, listen, let me tell you what he was really trying to get at. Man, how's the fit? First of all, how you doing? How's the family? Like, let's, yeah, you know right. what I mean? Just real talk, like shift perspective, kind of get your head out of that space. And then, you know, soften the blow that was the conversation you had with Rick Carlisle. And so within an organization, you have to have those mechanisms where, you know, I know this guy is like that. I'm going to put people around him that are going to be the good cop to his bad t- cop, so to speak. Like, and we have to, we have to do those things. And then just generally speaking, like when I was in the front office, I've told you this, I had a lot of conversations with players Yeah. at, at David Griffin's like request. Hey man, will you go talk to, uh, we got to sell Dion on trying to be a six man. Can you go have that conversation with him? I know damn well Dion Waiters doesn't want to be six man. I know that is he is going to cho- like bite my head off as soon as I start talking about it. But the conversation has to be had. It's got to be aired out. He might not like it, but he got to respect that we came at him and we put it out there, right? Like, hey, we need to have these conversations with LeBron. Can you hand? Can you talk to Kyrie or Kev? Like, and so you're constantly talking and just opening up the lines of communication so nothing is left unsaid. You know, yeah, it's funny because like I'm sure when like in five years, Luca and Carlisle, God willing, will probably just be cool. I, I think I think it'll figure itself out, right? Because both people will get get a little older and wiser. But the thing that I I see, and especially with sports, is now that's 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 cool. You know, when we talk about like you know, we both I'm sure me and you have both had conversations not with each other but like to other people where it's like motherfucker got me fucked up and then you get context <laughs> to the situation you're like oh oh shit yeah I had one yesterday the, <laughs> I had one fucking maybe last night <laughs> um, but but the thing is you know in life uh, or life is different from the NBA because in the NBA you ain't got time for that shit like right and and you know, you, you referenced the anecdote and, and the story with Rick Carlisle, bro. Rick Carlisle got time to be to, to fucking or no coach ain't got time in the middle of a game. All all that's gonna come out is motherfucker, you 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 score two points a game, you can't have two techs. Or that's what he was trying to say. That's but, it. Facts. Right? Right? But he ain't got time in the middle of a game when millions of dollars are at stake because it's a business and also a championship is at stake. We ain't got time for you to, to be like, how do you feel? How do you do all these things? What, what, how can I help you? Bro, you don't got time for all that. Probably don't got the mental bandwidth to go through and just say, hey, my guy, he barely got the mental bandwidth to deal with Luca. How are you going to figure it out with you? Hey, man. You know? I do know. I got to say you feel me because I know you feel me Logan, on this, right? Logan, you've hit the nail on the head, man. <laughs> like, there's only so much that a that a coach can handle. That's where there's a coaching staff. So there's a staff in place. And I do think there's some responsibility for for a player, not Luca per se, but a really good player to be watching things happen around um them and understand the landscape that is that that you make the most money. Do you know why you make the most money? Cuz you're the best. Cuz you're the best. So with the most money and being the best comes a treatment that might not be the same as the 15th man on the roster. And that shouldn't offend you because that is life. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know what Rick Carlisle was doing or if it crossed lines that even as the 15th man on the roster, you'd be like, yo, my man, that's a grown-ass man. You can't do that. Maybe he did. But I think at some point, like, you got to look at that and understand, like, things aren't always equal. Gene Durkak, shout out to my dog, Gene. All right? Things aren't always equal, but they're fair. Right? Like, I'm not going to treat you equally, but I'm going to treat you fairly according to how you fit into this equation. Here's the thing that I, I, I think, man, and this isn't just a, a my generation thing. It's not just a your generation thing. This is just a human thing, bro. Like, I feel like, especially at this level, everybody thinks that they're, especially in, you know, it makes sense, but it's professional sports in general. And also when you get to a certain level, people just think that they're like, hot shit and they don't look in the mirror at a certain point right like yo you're not Luka Doncic but do you really like if at your skill set do you know if you really want to be Luka Doncic right now do you know everything that goes into being Luka Doncic like not everybody can be Allen Iverson not everybody can be LeBron James not everybody can hold that mentally bro like not everybody could be Whitney Houston or Marvin Gaye or like all these people like sometimes it's just tight to just make 
Sometimes it's tight to be a bit warmer, right? Like in the NBA, sometimes it just be tight. You feel me? Like not everybody can be just like I'm saying. No, it goes back to your point of knowing your role, right? Yes. I just, I, I, ain't I don't to, know. I, I ain't warming. I ain't trying to warm no bench. You feel what I'm saying? No, Roger. I'm just you letting get, you know. Like I'm, I'm clarifying that. You not a bench warmer though. Well. I mean, at times right? I was, but never was I trying to warm no bench. Hey, 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 but hey, I feel Rob. you, though. Rob, no, that's Rob. not. Let me you, wait, hold up. You, you, you're not a bench warmer, and you weren't a bench warmer of the mind, Roger. You weren't a bench. You, you were never that of the mind. There was a time when I was begging to be a bench warmer. That's when I was trying to get in, baby. Hey, I do whatever See? you need me to do. You need to. See? I told my dad straight up when I got to Philly. I said, Dad, if they need me to get these fools water. I will have yes. that shit to them as fast and as efficiently as they need it. If they'll just keep me, bro, I'm good. Yes. No, but to your point of like the evolution of roles, and we're getting into a bag right now, Roger. We're getting into it. We're, our, our, our eyes are all open right now. All of them. All 18 of them right now. <laughs> but um, when you get to that point of like you'll do anything to get into the league, including be a bench warmer. And, like, I get this, too, from a writing standpoint. Like, I, I remember, man, trying to get into this business, and I really wanted it. You really, really want it. You really want it. And then you forget about, like, yo, man, you forgot. You forget sometimes, like, when you get to a certain place and that, you know, it's – it's. I don't ever want to be a bench warmer again, but there's some some qualities of when I was a bench warmer that I should probably keep with me, right? That hunger, you oh, know, yeah. that, that that all that stuff. Um, and sometimes I just wish, like, not even just professional athletes, just people in general just didn't lose that hunger, just didn't lose that part of the game, right? Yeah, and I think what you're saying, like, it, to tie it back to, like, the 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 Rick Carlisle-Luca situation, I think you see cats like Rick Carlisle, cats like Larry Brown, cats like Jerry Sloan, you know, that's who they were as players. They came up with a chip. They played with a chip. They played with the level of demanding of others around them. And so, you know, that's what makes them so successful. They keep that with them. They, you know what I mean? It's a part of them. And then when that generation changes, you know, that be can become a lot yeah. sometimes for, for, for the next generation. I love, I love this game. I love sports because it's really just a mirror to life, bro. It really is oh. just set on a, on a super, just like very huge level. Like it just on like a very polarizing level, but it is though. Like, it is. Uh, let's take a quick break, and um, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the Lakers. I'm not even gonna do it do it do a tease. We're gonna talk about the Lakers. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm, and now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Rah. So, the pre-pod meeting, when we put it in the chat, uh, we were talking about... um. Austin Reeves and his game winner, and also Marion's piece, Marion Fader's piece, very in-depth piece on the ringer that you guys should all read. Austin Reeves had a game winner 
in Dallas. Um, and got fouled. And he got fouled. Lakers won. Mike Shadell, friend of the show on the call there, on the radio call. Um, yes, sir. Good job. Good job, Mike. But it, it came up to a big, larger discussion of the, the Lakers. We're seeing some things with the Lakers right now where we see them like do, fight, figuring no, some shit down. Bro, don't do that, bro. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. No. Don't do there that. was a Luca-less team that you were in overtime with, man. I'm sorry. I'm just an optimist, bro. I'm an optimist, bro. No, and you you could be right, and I can be right in that last night. Like, I mean, come on, man. Like, you got, you're playing they with were doing, your- I'm going to be Roto. I'm going to be Roto. They were doing some stupid shit down the stretch, too. They just happened to win at the last minute. They There was some stuff. Like, there, there was some bad shots. Oh, like AD deciding he was going to go double someone in the paint? When they needed no. and had to have a three, and he wanders off of like Ron was beside himself when that happened. Did you see Bron's reaction on that play? Because I know you saw it as a basketball no, player, but Le- he was baffled. He was he like, around, like, ser- are you, like, why are would you, you do are, that? Are you serious? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, what, okay, okay. I want to, I want to see to the basketball player on this one. What did you see from the Lakers down the stretch? Let's just talk off of that. What, what did you see from what from the Lakers down the stretch of that? Because they ultimately won. What, what did you see? Bad, good, ugly, all all in between. What'd you see? I mean, I don't know. I I I I thought it was okay. I I I can agree with you in in saying that I think they're taking steps forward. Like I don't think they're regressing. I think they're taking steps forward. I just I think it's it's happening slowly. And I I think that if you want to consider yourself a championship level team or a favorite to be in that conversation down the stretch, I mean, we can't be struggling with the Lucas Mavs. And I think that's fair. Yeah. Right? Like I, I yeah. think that's fair. So you know, I I liked I liked Westbrook down the stretch at times. I liked you know a couple of those last plays, not settling for the three in the corner after he had knocked down a big one in regulation and driving that thing and kicking it out so that we could get that last look at the three. Not standing in the corner on another one, backdoor cutting, getting the layup on it. I love you that. Know? That was a nice you know? play. I love that. Yes, there were some things defensively that I liked. They had some solid defensive possessions, but. Uh, you know, they're, they have to continue to work it out. They have to continue to figure out what the rhythm of that offense needs to look like, the the the, the percentage of time and ball usage that's going to be, you know, uh, optimum level for them, for LeBron, AD, and, and, and Russ. And AD has to play better. Okay, so the AD conversation. You brought that up. It's interesting. Because when you look at his stats... I mean, they're right on par. He was balling. The last I checked, it was 24 and 10. I don't know. I don't have the, the most immediate stats in front of me. But, like, you look at 24 and 10. 24 and 10 is 24 and 10. But also, we've had this we've had this discussion before. And I remember I referenced Devin Booker. And I'm going to apologize. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to apologize. Because remember when I said stats don't tell the whole story, which is true. But stats don't tell the whole story. And all stats aren't created equal. For Devin Booker, it was it, Devin Booker's stats speak for themselves that he's a G. But we've been seeing this with AD, right? Where you look at the stats, but then you look at the eye test and it's just not adding up. And it's something that I, I've been seeing for a minute. What have you been seeing from AD from on the from your just complete eye test? I don't want you to look at the stats. I don't want you to look at anything. I don't want you to look at any advanced metrics, anything. I want to, I want you to, what is your eye telling you, Raja, when you see AD playing? Maybe a little unsure. Mm. You know, maybe that's the best way to put it. Because I, I believe certain body type skill sets are are like predestined to average a certain amount of points and rebounds, man. Like you're you're going to get, I mean, you're Anthony Davis, man. You're going to wind up with, I mean, I could probably pencil you in for 19 and 9 just rolling out of bed. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so. Oops, yeah, that was a 19 you, and 9. I, I yes. My bad. Oh, sorry. Me. I didn't play great. But, but I think. You know, maybe as I'm, you know, I haven't given this much thought, like we, this wasn't a pre-pod conversation, but, you know, when we talk about a team struggling to find its chemistry and I typically get LeBron centric about it or Russ centric about it, maybe the one that's really struggling the most to really find his, his grasp on what they're doing is AD. Like he may be the guy who's just kind of uncertain and not that he's not playing well. But I'll say it again. He needs to play better, right? Twofold, because that mantle has to be passed. That's what this was about. This wasn't about like pairing him with LeBron for the next decade. This was about pairing him with LeBron. Passing the baton. 
for the next five years and then and then passing that baton. So he becomes Batman and LeBron becomes Robin or whatever that looks like. So we got to take that next step. But when you ask me exactly what I see, maybe it's just uncertainty about you know where, where that shot's going to come from and how many touches I'm going to get on the ball. And you know we are creatures of habit, NBA players. I'd like to know when I'm checking in a game, what that first shot's going to look like. Um, it might put me in a routine to know Mike D'Antoni that is like, you're going to, this is the shot you're usually going to get to start the game. Boom. You start to, you know, you know, when your shots can come, you know about how many you're going to get, you know about how many minutes you're going to play. And so when you ask me, uh, it was a long answer to a short question. He probably looks a little unsure. It's funny you say that because you brought up LeBron and we've, you know, we've talked about this partnership at length since we started this show. I can't help but wonder how, how AD will be with LeBron off the team. Or more specifically, how AD will be when he doesn't have a big homie on a team. Because at the like, no matter what you, uh, no matter what you think about LeBron's game, or if you think Anthony Davis is currently a better player than LeBron James, the motherfucker is still LeBron James. I'm, I'm sorry, like I, you, you go to the arena, and LeBron shuts shits down when he comes into the arena. Not AD. Not when AD when LeBron comes to town, everybody is on. You, uh, you know what it is, Raja. I can't help but wonder the psychological effect of being that being that sidekick. I mean, even if you're better than him. Because I think AD, if if he was in the right mindset, and I think LeBron would want AD to be better than him, just for the simple fact that he, or maybe he doesn't, I don't know. I, I don't have that, but he at, at least at the very least wants to pass the baton to AD, right? Yeah. But LeBron is so good and such a legend, and one of the greatest of all time and he's already stamped and you're putting him alongside a guy like AD who has all world talent but sometimes gets lost in games and i can't help but wonder when you the next time AD has to carry a team where he has another cuz AD is so good he'll attract stars let's be real he'll attract stars um like say if this is don't aggregate it. Don't don't do this, guys. Don't we don't need all of this. <laughs> but if but if there's a world, Raja, keep your eye open. There's a world where like a Jason Tatum comes to the Los Angeles Lakers, right? Or another younger star. Just put any star. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, fuck it, Luka Doncic. You know, somebody else. Like some another guy that's young, Trey Young, anybody that comes to the Lakers or somebody, right? Um, how Anthony Davis will be as the big homie, because it's different, right? I think you're, I think you're good in those regards for most of those, because yeah. all of the dudes you mentioned, they don't like taking a back seat, they don't, and so yeah. you can keep him kind of in the role he's in, which is super talented, like you know maybe the best player on your team, but these other cats are the ones that are going to go out there and and be. You know, well, I meant, but the other way. I meant the other way, Ra. I mean, well, yes, I don't, I don't you're think right. that's what he wants to do. I don't think that's what he wants okay. to do. You know what I'm saying? I think do you think that I, we've bestowed that that he's because he has all that talent that he should yeah. be a number one. Okay, yeah. and and it's he should be like he, he everything about what he can do physically and everything is number one. There's no question in my mind. But I've I've always said this, and I'm I, I just I think that mentality wise, he's more of a one B, not even a two. I think he's a 1B. I think he needs a dude with him who who is I don't know what's the best way to put that man. Like I don't I don't want to say alpha cuz it's not that. Like I don't you know what I mean, but who is who is his equal at, at at least where he don't have to take all responsibility for what's going on around there. You know what I mean? Somebody who's a little bit more of an extrovert on the court if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, and it's and it's interesting, right? Because he's a a big man. Like, let's not, let's be real. But what is he, what is he in his mind? What did he grow up being? A point guard. He grew up being somebody that totally different than what he is right now because he had his body transformation just was, was, was just in a different place. What does a point guard do? What are we taught as point guards to defer, right? He has a guard in him. And yeah. so it's just interesting to see him like, I don't know how I could. I don't know how I don't think I could ever make that adjustment. You know what I mean? Like you one summer you're a point guard out here doing all this stuff, and then next next thing you know, you out here supposed to be Kareem. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you get uh, what totally. I'm saying? It's a good it's point. Just, it's a good point. It's it's just it's just different. It's just it's just different. Now, I don't know how this is gonna work, but I do see some things with the Lakers that I can't see as, as positive, right? Because man, they fucking frustrate the hell out of me. They surely do. You know this, Rajesh. You know what they frustrate me, Sasha Mack, Joe me, all of us, everybody. But I just see things that like like against the Spurs, they just they they came together and they made big plays in, in mm-hmm. San Antonio. This game, Wayne Ellington makes a huge shot. Westbrook makes a huge shot. All of that taking that pressure off of LeBron and AD. Even the play that you referenced with um they're finding little things. That play what you referenced with um Westbrook cutting, that was all improv, improv, uh, improvised. Yeah. You see LeBron saying, yo, you get to yo, AD, yo, you get open at the top of the key. And then AD just sees um, Russ, he sees Russ cutting behind him. Great play. I see things like that that could, I don't know. I think it could it could pay dividends down the stretch. Now, does that mean winning a championship? No, but incremental improvements are happening. And they're only six in, they're sixth in the Western Conference, right? They could, they're a runaway. So we'll see what happens. Before we get out of here, though, you said you wanted to say something about um Friend of the show who's not been on the show, Steve Nash. How do you feel about what Steve Nash is doing with the Brooklyn Nets right now? First of all, I don't know if I'd call him a friend of the show. He's a friend of mine, but haven't had him on the show yet. So I don't know if he qualifies for friend is of the show. Is he not friend of the like, show? I, okay. I don't know. You're I mean, only I friend of the show. Also, fake friend of the show, uh, Leandro Ravosa has said he wants to come on. So, you know, we're just putting that out here on wax because that's what we're just going to do now. So we're just going to do now. Until he brings his ass on the show, he's a friend of mine and yours. He ain't no friend of the show. Off top. That that okay. being Leandro Barbosa. Steve. That being Steve is your friend. He's I my friend. We hope to have him on friend. the show one day. Yeah. And yeah. thus be able to term him friend of the show. I just want to give a shout out, right? Like I just I do because I often do this when I coach teams. Like I'm the hardest on like my sons when I coach them because I don't want anyone to ever be able to say that I don't like treat the people close to me as hard as I would treat anybody else. So I take that approach with Steve in Brooklyn because I've been critical of them like in years past. You know what I mean? Like I treat them. I think we've all been hard. really critical of, of Brooklyn yeah, over the last and, year. But there's been some fairness in that. Like they're, you know, shit, you got to call a spade a spade when you see it. But the reality is I got to give my man his props right now. All right. Because in the Eastern Conference right now, they are the number one seed. What's that record? It's something in eight. What is it right now? Look that up. I should have written it down. I wrote everything else. You should have written it down, dude. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The point is onto this show, and you said this, and you were not prepared. prepared. No, I am. I'm prepared (laughs) with a lot of other shit, but their general record, I don't have. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) listen, listen. Cut that shit out, Sasha. They're twenty. They're twenty something. I don't know. There's something in Sasha. He wasn't. He wasn't ready to roll. Keep that shit in. There's something in eight. But here's why I think it's dope. Right? Like, first of all, you've had a lot of different distractions to have to deal with as a franchise. Like you've, you've had a lot of distractions that could have crept in there and made it really, really difficult to focus and get on the same page. You had a team that was largely based on three phenomenal offensive talents, right? On three of them. And, and, um, (laughs) and you subtract one from the equation totally. And the second one isn't playing up to his normal standards, leaving you with a Kevin Durant playing at MVP level. But let's just think about like what's left around the fringes of that offensively. Like LaMarcus Aldris, great story, having a great year. Patty Mills, you know, who I really like. You haven't even had like Joe Harris for extended stretches this year. Like you've been a, a hodgepodge of a lineup. You're plugging in, you're playing, like you're trying to figure this out. And you were a very, very average to below average defensive team last year. You were 19th in the league in terms of defensive efficiency. 1.098 points per possession in 2020-2021. 19th in the league. They're 6th in the league right now, Logan. 1.037 points per possession. And what that says to me is you went back to your drawing board. And you self-evaluated this offseason and said, huh. We're going to be good offensively. I got these three juggernauts of offensive weapons. They're, we're going to be fine. All right. Never mind you minus Kyrie and we figure out how to get it done. But man, we really struggling where we got to make hay is on the defensive end of the floor. And if we can do that, and if me as a head coach and I can get my staff to really make this like the focus of what we're doing, we'll have a shot. And they did that. And so I think he's learning. Nah, straight yeah. up. I think he's learning. Yeah. 
I think his attitude is one that lends itself to being able to navigate this and keep people bought in, keep it light, keep it family oriented, and they're fucking winning. So shout out to Steve and the Brooklyn fucking Nets. Mm. <laughs> Mike drop. Mike drop. Also, man, this, this is going to something else, man. This is going to something else that you failed to realize that I think that you are, are you know, Kevin fucking Durant. I just said that. It's out here. No, no, no. You said that or whatever, but you're, it's, it's Steve Nash, but it's Kevin Durant, dude. Fucking bringing them. It's, it's, it's also Steve, Steve Nash. But I said I Kevin Durant MVP thing. level. Go, do your thing. Do your thing. Go, go. Do your I'm thing. just saying, I'm just saying, I'm saying, 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 bro. Kevin Durant right now is in a different bag right now. Yep. Okay. He's in a different special bag that he's playing off of it. We forget. We forget that this man had a torn Achilles, and he's one of the league leaders. And minutes played right now. He he had a torn Achilles. You know how I know he had a torn Achilles? I was there when he fucking tore the shit, and it just his fucking leg just rippled into a million pieces. It was it was it was sick. This man is an MVP <laughs> candidate right now, and I don't know who's going to win the MVP. And it's hard for me to say. Kevin is at the leader right now, though, because, yeah, Steph, Steph was trying to chase that record, and Kevin is Kevin is, is, is kind of in pole position right now. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't know. I'm just saying. He is. I can't. I'm not arguing that. Yo, this is going to be a special MVP race. I think. I don't know. Like, it's, it's so close right now. It's a two-man race. It's Steph and, and Kevin right now. It's what it is. Let's just be honest. I can't. Who do you have right now at this very moment? Do you have Kevin right along? I, I just have Kevin the slight edge, just because Steph was chasing that record. Steph will probably go on another run, but I, th- I think I'm taking just, Steph right now. I mean, I think I'm taking uh, KD right now. Sorry, I think I'm taking KD right now. Okay, the fact that you even did that was said 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 everything we needed to hear. Um, <laughs> the fact that you just fumbled that just said everything. By the way, Sasha Matt creeped in the chat and said, "No one decides what gets cut." And what doesn't get cut, that's for her to decide. Oh, shit. And My bad, Sasha. We really know. We shit. really know. I mean, we just would like, we already know this, Roger, but the, I don't know if the if the, the the listening public knows. Sasha Mack runs this whole shit. She just, no, she's, she's the queen of this whole shit. She runs no, this whole shit. So, um, no, we'll 20 and 8, who, 20 and eight by the way. 20 and 8, by the way. My bad, 20 Sasha. and 8. We'll, we'll see what gets cut and what doesn't get cut around this motherfucker, according to Sasha Mack. So, damn. Um, <laughs> damn. All right. Damn. All right. I got a question for you, Raja Bell. Yes, sir. You got that yak? I got that yak. Bro, you, you already got know that yak? I do. You got yes. that yak? Of course, You got sir. that yak on deck? You got that brown on deck? You got that heme on deck? Come on, man. All right. That's good. Because the real one of the week is presented by Hennessy. Hennessy is collaborating with the NBA to give a real look into the lives of different personalities, including friend of the show, Russell Westbrook, literally balling artist Victor Solomon, and Hoop York City founder, Alex Taylor. We're ready to rock. Flex bombs. Flex bombs. All right. I have a uh, co-real one of the week this week, Raja Bell. This one first. It's going in the music scene. Oh. I had the uh, pleasure of going to the first, Bay, one of the first huge headlining Bay Area shows from one, Larry June of um, San Francisco. I got to send you his stuff, Raja. He's popping in these streets. He had his first show. He invited me out to go see him perform, and um, it was unbelievable. Also, friend of the show, Juan Toscano Anderson was there. Chopped it up with him for a bit before the road trip. He was great. Um, saw some of the homies. Everybody was there. It was it was sold out. It was popping. I got to send you some of the videos from this thing. It was popping. And um, just to see somebody from the Bay really out here showing it, showing showing. Well, what they could do with selling out, being from the city and selling out the Masonic was a treat to uh, to watch and to be a part of. So that was fun. Um, and my second real one of the week, I'd be remiss if I didn't didn't include this person. One, Steph Curry, real one of the fucking week uh, for passing Ray Allen. That one coming. Yeah, I don't know. All time, all time, all time, uh, three point list passing that. And to honestly. To be able, you've seen, uh, been around a lot of great players, Raja, firsthand, and it's different when you see somebody with with greatness. You've been around guys like LeBron and Allen Iverson. When you see that greatness firsthand, uh, it's different. And, you know, to be able to watch Steph, even a piece of that, to see him break that record. I wasn't in the building for that, but I, to, to, to have a piece um, of seeing that firsthand, it was, it was pretty good. So, 
uh, Rowan of the Week, Larry Jillian, Rowan of the Week, Steph Curry. Who was your Rowan of the Week, Roger? I, too, have co-real ones of the week, um, but they are, are very closely related. Um, they would be Travis Hunter. Okay. The number one recruit in high school football coming out of Sewanee, oh, yeah. Georgia. Um, yep. Destined to go to Florida State. Committed to Florida State since I don't know when. And one prime time. Deion Sanders. Yes, sir. Who's the coach, head coach at Jackson State University. It was an unprecedented flip on National Signing Day, which was yesterday. Getting this yes. young man, the number one recruit in the country, to flip out of his commitment from Florida State to hey, go his play commitment football video at Jackson was so gangster. State University. It was crazy. It was lightweight, disrespectful to a lot of schools, but I did enjoy it. Um, yes. Yes. That is some real one shit for a lot of reasons. Um, yep. And so... Those are my co-real ones of the week. Not only, I mean, not only, but he got the bag too. Like he secured the million dollar no. plus bag in the process with the NIL deal. Like we can have a conversation on what that does to college athletics and stuff. Like I feel kind of strongly like I, but l- l- we'll save that. All right. I digress. Let's just say those are real ones of the week. I think they deserve it. I just love to say, want to say that I loved his commitment video. I saw that this morning beforehand. It was so gangster. He just threw the fucking hats. It was Jordan. So disrespectful. So disrespectful. Nah. Nah. So disrespectful. Put the Jackson State on, baby. Yo, man, (laughs) what Prime is doing for HBCUs is pretty special, man. Because back in the day, like, you know, you talk about guys like George Atkinson, right? You talk about guys back in the day. Uh, I think Jack Tatum, all these black players used to come out of HBCUs because they couldn't go to what they thought was was D1 level, the Alabamas, the all these places, because you know why? They wouldn't take them. They wouldn't take these black players. And now the fact that they're getting at these recruits and they're going to these historically black uh, colleges, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's really good. And they're getting these, this, this type of things. That's, that's pretty tight. My dad played in HBCU. He played football in Morehouse. So like, you know, I, I know all about it. And what what the challenge in a lot of instances was was financially, like, you yep. know, did you have the resources and were you able to compete with the recruiting budgets and the bells and the whistles of some of these bigger schools? And so, like, you know, to some degree, the playing field's getting evened with with NIL and the opportunities that exist there. But I do think it's an awesome, I think it's an awesome thing. I think it's an awesome, it's an awesome responsibility that that young man undertook, right? Like, because that's yep. way... That's that was way outside of the realm of what people thought was going to happen yesterday. Hey, man, it's tight to go to HBCUs, bro. I went to a Howard homecoming once. It was fire. It was nice. It was dope. You know, go to go down to Atlanta, go to them Clark parties and stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know, man, no. go to the, I, you know, I feel you, tight. but I'm going to tell. Listen, my story straight up. I'm not even going front. Like dad played at Morehouse. My mom went to Spelman. Like, so that was in the blood. And then Morehouse yep. wanted me to come on a visit. And I wanted to go on a visit and they had no budget to get me there or set me up. I'm like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm good. That's all Can't fair. That's all fair. I'm glad that the tide <laughs> is changing right now. It seems like it's yeah, starting sure. to change. On that note, the real one of the week was presented by Hennessy. In partnership with the NBA, Hennessy's new film depicts the journey of basketball to reveal the places the game can take us. Make moves that start movements. Hennessy, the spirit of the NBA. Discover more at Hennessy.com. Please drink responsibly. Imported cognac. Hennessy is 40% alcohol by volume. 80 proof. Copyright 2021. Imported by Moet. Hennessy USA Inc. New York, New York. Hennessy is a registered trademark. It's been another edition of Real Ones. Thursday edition, baby. Mm. Uh, Make sure you check us out every Mondays and Thursdays. Um, We'll be back Monday. Let me give you guys the schedule real quick. We will be back on Monday, the 20th, during normal schedule. We will be taking a holiday hiatus. Um, we will be back on after the 20th show. We will be back on December 30th. Um, but in the meantime, make sure you check out Mismatch. Make sure you check out Group Chat. Make sure you check out The Answer. Make sure you check out Black Girl Songbook with who? Raja Bell. Tom Legend, Danielle Smith. Keep the propaganda going. Make sure you check out R2C2 with who? Raja Bell. The Crestside Clown. Vallejo Legend. CC Sabathia. Also, make sure you check out this Juice World doc. On, it just came out today. On HBO Max. I have not seen the final cut yet that is on HBO Max, but I did what had the honor of seeing one of the cuts um, uh, about a few months ago. It was really good. One of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It's on. It's part of the Music Box series on HBO and HBO Max. 
Uh, make sure you go check that out, man. Raja, I, it's about Juice World. Make sure you go check that out if you with the fam. The little hum, your, the little homies back there, I think, will appreciate that. Um, but I will we'll see you guys Monday. Holla, bye. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.